The first reading is from Philippians chapter 4. You'll find it on page 1115. Just two verses. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Second readings from the book of Acts, chapter 1, and you'll find that on 1031. Verses 12 to 14. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. To God. So can I invite George to come up and share his reflections and we'll begin by praying for you, George, if we may. Our loving Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for bringing George to us today. Thank you for the rich ministry that he exercised here and has done ever since in his various pastorates. And we pray today, Lord that you will fill him with your Holy Spirit, that he may speak of you, that he may communicate the message that you want us to hear. And as you speak through him, Lord, open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to respond. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. Are you well? It's good to be here. It's wonderful always to be here because this is home. And it was kind of Linda and the rest and Mary. Mary's not here yet. That's by you all here to invite us to, to come and share fellowship with you. I always tell people when they ask me where my home is, I always ask them, which home do you mean? <laughs> because I have two homes. I have the first home where I was born and brought up, that's Kenya. But home for me, particularly for my children, and I'm here this morning with Jordan, is here, is Cambon. This is where they know. And for me as well, this is my mother church. And that for me is very, very important. And this morning, 
Like Linda said at the beginning, we are on the fourth week of the series of the gospel values, which you as a church have been studying. And specifically today, we have been asked to look at prayers. More to the point is how peace and direction can flow or come out of prayers, of genuine prayers. You know, you know me, I like telling stories. Of a pilot of a small Cessna plane who encountered problems and he decided to radio to the control for help. So he said, Control Tower, this is Cessna Tango Alpha 16. I'm 300 miles away from the nearest airport, 10,000 feet in the sky, and I've ran out of fuel. I'm descending rapidly. Can you advise? Over. And the control tower dispatcher, after a few moments, said, Cessna Tango Alpha 16, if you're still listening, please repeat after me. Our Father in heaven. That may sound funny, and it is. The truth is, instead of prayers being something that we do every day, like eating or breathing, we don't do that. For most people, prayers is an emergency toolkit that they use in crisis only. But it shouldn't be so. Really, it shouldn't be so. Prayers, for the most part, are, how shall we say, untapped resource. An explored country, if you will, where plenty of treasure still lay hidden, waiting to be explored. Today, the first thing we hear is that the early church, the first church, what strikes us about them is their commitment to prayer. And in the second reading from Acts, we hear that the disciples of Jesus were held together in one accord in prayers. All of them as well as all the women and Jesus' mother, as well as his brothers. Well, clearly, prayers mattered to them. And seems from the scriptures, it governed their daily lives. Today, prayers are not taken as seriously outside of the church as they should be. 
Yes, they are talked quite a lot. People talk about prayers. I see even some flippant footballers every time they score a goal, they do this, and then they run off. I wonder whether they know what they are doing. And even though prayers are talked as much about, rarely do people engage in them. And yet, prayers remain for us as Christians. One of the greatest gifts outside of salvation that God has given to us. And there is no doubt that a disciplined life of prayer will give our lives a sense of direction and generate internal peace for ourselves. In 1952, Albert Einstein was giving a lecture on the campus of Princeton University when a student, a PhD student, approached him and asked him, Professor, what is still left out there in the world for an original topic, dissertation topic? And the professor thought for a moment and then turned to the student and said, prayers, they are worth investigating. How about that? From the best, one of the best brains of our times, recommending that we should investigate about prayers. And the Apostle Paul too, he knew and understand, understood so well about prayers. And he naturally believed that it is the duty of every Christian to take prayer seriously. And he was right. I don't think in all honesty, you can be a good Christian and not pray. Just as you can't expect to have a good marriage or relationship if you are not talking to your partner or spouse or your girlfriend. You have to talk. And prayers a communication channel between us and God, between God and his people. And two of the most instructive parables that Jesus told are about prayers. One of them can be found in Luke 11, and the other one is in Luke 18. And both of them have something to do with persistent prayers, not giving up. In Luke 11, we find that, 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 that promise where Jesus says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Now, those of you who are keen on grammar, you'll have noticed that those verbs are in the present active voice. And so you could easily say, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. In other words, Jesus is saying, 
I don't want you to give up. I want you to continue. He instructs us to be persistent in our prayers. And we know ourselves that Jesus himself was always on his knees praying. We read in Luke 6, I think it's verse 12, that before he chose his disciples, he had gone up on the mountain and spent the whole night praying to his father for direction. Prayers is not something that Jesus took lightly. No, no, no. It was his habit. It was a tool that he turned back to whatever the situation. It didn't matter what the problem was, whatever the necessity was, whatever the strategy was, whatever the temptation was. He subjected each and every one of these two prayers. So clearly what we're starting to see is the evidence of prayers giving life, giving direction in Jesus' life. And this is equally true of the disciples. We also read in the scriptures that soon as Judas committed suicide, the disciples, before they sat down to choose his, the person to replace him, they went and prayed. Evidently, sincere prayers will give you a sense of direction on where you need to go and the things you need to do. And the advice that the Apostle Paul gives to the church in Philippi in, this, in our first reading was in everything, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious. But in everything, please take it to the Lord. Always giving thanks. Always giving thanks. As you make your demands known to him. Now, why would the Apostle Paul give this kind of advice? I think it's because he knew genuine prayers to God not only glorifies God's, but generates humility on our part. When we begin to pray sincerely to God, several things happen. First of all, we start to get the burden, the ownership of the burden. And also to teach us some bit of responsibility. When we begin to pray sincerely to God, we start to get an idea of what he's doing to try and resolve the prayers we have sent to him and how he might involve us in trying to find solutions to our problems. The second thing that happens when we have 
genuine prayers. When we pray genuine prayers to God, is that it teaches us patience. There are three standard answers God gives to prayers. Yes, no, and wait. Now, yes and no are no-brainers. But wait, that's a bit tricky. And there will always be tension between boldness and waiting on God's will. And we can try and resolve this tension by being persistent, yet accepting God's decision when it comes. When most of the times we occupy ourselves with worrying on God not being in our schedule. I've been praying for the last two years. I haven't had any relief. Well, instead of worrying that too much, prayers teaches us patience and tells us to be in God's timetable rather than asking God to be in our own schedule. Now, the third thing a genuine prayer can do is to open our spiritual eyes. Opens our eyes so that we can be able to see doing it. In the second book of Kings, I think it's chapter 6, the army of Israel is surrounded by enemies. And Elisha's servant becomes so scared. And he says to his master, Master, what are we going to do? And Elisha turns to him and says, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than the ones who are with them. Then Elisha prays to God and asks God, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And the Lord then opens the servant's eyes and behold, he sees all around them, surrounding them, were horses and chariots of fire. And there were many, many, many thousands, much, much more than the enemy. Prayers helps us to see from God's perspective. It helps us to see what would otherwise have remained hidden if we had not prayed. And the last thing I want to mention about prayers, what a genuine prayer does, is that it helps us to move forward. Jesus says in John 15, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. If you abide in me, and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Minus me, you can do nothing. Without prayers, we are like soldiers who have been deployed, and yet they cannot go to battle because the equipment has not arrived. Once we have said our prayers, genuine prayers to the Lord, then we are able to start tackling the challenges of life. You know better than me that every day for some people is a struggle. Challenges will come day and night. 
It is equipping yourself with prayers that helps you to be able to tackle these challenges. So, Cambon Church, nine o'clock congregation. How is your prayer life? As a church? As individuals? Are your prayers passionate? Or are they weak and timid? You have been praying so that God can give you direction. Get you a minister and grow and finish this building. How about gratitude? How much time do you spend thanking God for what he has done for you as a church and as individuals? And better still, what are you praying for? Or are your prayers only centered on you? Is there a desire among you as a church, to see God's kingdom grow, to see his will done. And if there is, are you praying? Let me finish by saying this. Praying is the last thing Satan wants you to do. Praying is the last thing the devil wants you to do. He will send all the obstacles before you so that you are distracted, so that he can disarm you. He wants you to remain powerless, prayerless, and passionless. And because prayers, genuine prayers, are the div divinely ordained mechanism by which we can get to the power and the victory of Jesus Christ. He knows you will remain powerless and defeated without them. My challenge to you as a church, prove him wrong. Pray without ceasing in Jesus' name. Amen.